Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It is Friday, October 8th, 2021, and this is episode number 689 of the podcast. Uh, we have two segments. Today we are bringing on the actors from a wonderful dramatic film called Mass. I, I really want everybody to see this film. It's really profoundly moving, and the performances are just wonderful, you know, with four exceptional actors in lead roles, two of whom will be on this episode of the podcast. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll follow that up with a conversation with the producer of a film festival that I myself am involved with. So, so disclaimer, I have a personal vested interest in the success of this film festival, but even if I didn't, I'd still want it to succeed because it's an important film festival that deals pretty much around the subject of food insecurity, food waste, our relationship to food on a global scale, and how this is so, so crucial to our, our every aspect to our, our, our daily lives. It's a festival that is currently apprised of, of short documentary films, but hopefully in time we'll be including features as well. But this, this is the fifth year of this festival. It's called Faces of Hunger. And I was brought on as a consultant on the film festival. What a, what a treat it's been. And we're going to talk to the producer of the film festival, Mayan Lawfer, who I've gotten to know and, and have great affection for. Uh, she and her other Colleagues at the festival are so committed to the subject matter as well as the success of this festival and so committed to it. So I'm very, very happy to be involved in it and to help see it grow in the future. And it, it will, we'll get to that in just a little while, but I, I hope you'll listen into it. First, we're going to bring two wonderful actors. I, I, I can't say enough, really can't, because, you know, these are the, the films like Mass which, by the way, opens uh, today, Friday, October 8th, in New York and Los Angeles. Then in the coming weeks, it'll open up nationwide. It'll, it'll you know, expand. But I, I I look forward to these films, and I, I guess, you know, I don't get to see all of them. Probably don't even get to see most of them, because how many can you see? But when one comes along, and I do get to see it, and I do enjoy it so much, or get so much satisfaction from it, I look forward to sharing it with my audience. And in this case, I was lucky to get two of the four actors from the film because it's just these two couples. And we have both of the men from this film. I sadly did not get either Ann Dowd or Martha Plimpton for this particular episode. But it's hard to be disappointed when you talk to Jason Isaacs and Reed Burney. Okay, both of whom are in this film. So it takes place years after an unspeakable tragedy, which tore these two couples' lives apart. It's two sets of parents. Uh, one set is Reed Bernie and Ann Dowd. The other is Jason Isaacs and Martha Plimpton, and who agree to talk privately together in a in a closed room in an attempt to move forward in their lives, you know, and to survive this unspeakably horrible incident that occurred to them. In Kranz's writing and directing debut, 
he thoughtfully examines their journey of grief, anger, and acceptance by coming face-to-face with the ones who have been left behind. So thanks to uh, Bleecker Street Films for distributing this wonderful film. It was a hit at Sundance last year, and it is finally now in theater. It, by the way, it, just, it was just a, it finished, I think, its festival run with Woodstock Film Festival, where you know if you listen to this show or watch it on YouTube that I live near the Woodstock Film Festival as of this past year or so. And so it won the best feature film, I believe. It's no wonder this is a really great showcase of four terrific actors, uh, two of whom, again, Reed Bernie and, and Jason Isaacs in tandem. We'll have Jason first and then Reed with no break in between, per se. Well, we're going to bring them on to talk about this film. Now, I just want to add one thing, and that is that there is a video version of these two conversations on our YouTube channel. And I'm going to really urge everybody, if you enjoy the podcast, please do subscribe to my, uh, to the FilmWax YouTube channel. And you can go to youtube.com slash radio. You can watch either or both of these segments or I guess all three conversations uh, on the YouTube videos of these conversations. And I should mention that the version with Reed Bernie, there's a longer version, which is going to be available to Patreon followers. So if you go to, if you want to kick in a little bit and help the show out, I guess what I'm saying is, is you get to get extra content. And, you know, we also have John Legazimo coming up and we're going to have a longer version of that in the, uh, Patreon site, which you can, again, for as little as $3 a month, become a patron of the show. And you go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash filmwax radio. And you can join right there. Uh, so to consider it. it, it would help tremendously with the show. Okay. That's my little advertisement. Right now we're going to go into my conversation with Jason Isaacs. And then after that, we'll go right into the conversation with Reed Bernie, two fine actors. And then after that, I'll be back to talk and introduce Mayan and the Phases of Hunger Festival uh, conversation. But here now, Jason Isaacs and then Reed Bernie, only here on Film Wax Radio. How many people are coming? There'll be four of them. Richard, Linda, Mrs. Jay, and Gail Perry. Thank you for agreeing to meet us. You're welcome. I'm going to leave you alone. Let me know if you need anything. You say you want to heal. Is this how? We're not here to attack you. And we promise that. We want to know how this happened. We need your help with that. I'm willing to help. When you talk about blame on your part, I want to know what you're referring to. It's very hard to answer. Well, please try. It's not just one thing. Tell me about your son. What would you like to know? Everything. I want to know everything. Why? Why do I want to know about your son? Because he killed mine. It's not our fault, Richard. Nice to make your acquaintance. Nice to meet you. Good morning. You're my first interview of the day, so be gentle on me. Uh, oh, so <laughs> I sure will. Well, you know, this, I think this uh, a film, you know, requires a gentle touch, frankly. 
you know, the talking about it and the subject matter behind it. Yeah. One thing that occurred to me as I was watching it, I thought, you know, I, I was in New York City for, I grew up there and I've lived there most of my life. And then in the last year or so, I, I was one of those people that just decided to take a break, you know, and, and go through the pandemic outside of the city, you know, I mean, there were other extenuating circumstances. I bring it up because I felt maybe I, and, and then Broadway closed and, but I was always very connected to the arts in New York city. And I just thought, would I miss this play? This is a play. This has to be a play because it felt like a set piece. It felt like the perfect kind of play. And, and the difference is, and I bring it up because it's of this point, which is that it, 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 a lot of times when you convert a play, it feels, or adapt it to the screen, it feels like that. And it feels like it's, it's, it feels very, uh, like they're, they're, they're kind of. That's what you, is that what you're saying? That when people adapt plays often, you can sense its roots. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's a case where I just thought, wow, they did an exceptional job adapting this. But I, then I, as I read about it, I, I this is, was written for the screen. Yeah. I mean, look, I, uh, I, I might be proved wrong because who knows? Some Broadway producer might pick it up, but I don't think this is a play at all because uh, the camera knows your secrets, and the camera is inside these people's hearts and minds. It knows where they're lying. It knows where they're in denial. It can see the things that they're not saying. You know, the t- in the tiny gestures between people, things that will be lost in the theater. Interesting. In the theater, you'd have to stand up and walk around and block it. This is most of this film. You know, it's a, it occupies an enormous landscape. It's a huge story set in a small space and those that story is is inside their souls inside these people's hearts and only the camera can probe that yeah this role had to use all of your acting muscles i have to imagine especially your character jay he's wound very tight there's a lot he he, he, there's a lot that he has to juggle in those relationships because he's a please it seems like he's a pleaser you know he's a manager he's look he's a Manager. Okay. Uh, Kazan said, uh, you know, men don't cry, actors do. You know, this is a man who is not going to cry. This is a man who, when something terrible happens, turns it into action, activity. Turns rage and pain into something he thinks is constructive. He looks at his wife who's falling apart. He, he thinks he can manage her. Um, this is six years after something terrible happened, and I, I, I don't think he's dealt with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've been acting for 30 something years, and I've done a an enormous variety of parts, and, and, and this was one that required uh, everything I've ever thought I've learned and to let all that go and try and be. I mean, you know, there, there was, it, it had to feel more real to me, to all of us, than anything we'd ever done because we owed it to people who, who not only have lived through tragedy but have the bravery to do what these people are doing because these are real meetings it's based on, but have the bravery to confront uh, the people they feel wrongly or rightly are responsible for what's ruined their life. And it's, uh, or can give, or that can provide them with answers that might somehow make it make sense to the complete, you know, make sense to them. Right. I mean, you're right. But I think what, you know, he's a very smart man, Jane, he's very rational and very logical. He can see that, you know, his activism is what he's channeled this, this, this loss into, but, uh, but there are things that can't be explained and things that can't be answered. And to a man like that, when a therapist says you need to go and speak to these people and see what comes of it, that just seems so intangible. 
like nothing good or useful could come out of it. He can see that his wife is told that it might be useful for her. So he comes along, he makes up some rules. He's got a list of things from the therapist that <laughs> she should and shouldn't say. He just wants to control everything. And what he, you can't control is, uh, is the human heart, is, is pain and grief and the rage and, and, and acceptance that, that, you know, you can't, some things you have to let go of and, uh, and, yeah, difficult lessons to learn. And it was difficult. You know, it was uh, rewarding, challenging. I don't know what the right words are as an actor. It was everything. I mean, he seems like, you know, he just wants a great structure, of course, and then also have make sense out of, out of the senselessness of what happened. And, of Absolutely. course, the violence of the world he can't control at the outside world. It's a violent world. And... um what he doesn't want to he's, recognize is that he's human and that uh, carrying rage, carrying hatred, carrying blame, these things only poison you. You know, they right. don't affect yeah. the world. They don't change other people. They can't change the past. All you can affect is your day and how you're feeling and your future if you can let go of some of those things that uh, that, that cripple you on the inside. But he doesn't see that. And that's the great brilliance of Fran's writing, I think, and, and the you know, the catharsis of being in the room with these three extraordinary actors and you know extraordinary characters as well is that he's he's taken to places he doesn't expect and that's what great drama does and it is a great drama you know jason and it's it's so you know rare well it's just refreshing as difficult or as much as this film requires or asks of you as an audience it's so great that films like this are, are made and that, you know, people will have an opportunity to see something like this, a real opportunity, you know, for to see some no, great strange, acting. Uh, and, oh, sorry, I was going to say it's a strange, I didn't mean to interrupt, it's a weird Zoom connection, but uh, uh, it's just yeah. odd parallel to draw. But in my head, um, you know, there's room for adult grown-up dramas. This isn't something that you can go to and be thinking about where you're eating afterwards. And, you know, it, it, it affects you. I've seen it with an audience now and they are, utterly gripped they're taking on a on an enormous uh, emotional journey and they're, they're exhausted they're drained hopefully they feel slightly uplifted by the end um but it reminded me not that i was there but you know twenty thousand years ago when the greeks gathered in huge arenas to see their own uh their life of war you know i mean they've been, been at war for 80 of 100 years and they would gather and watch these plays written by sophocles by the generals and and they would see enormous tragedy played out uh, not to wallow mm-hmm. in pain, but because it was, it was cathartic for them. You know, it's, it's an enormous. I was going to use that word. Humans need that. We need to see these things played out and feel them played out and feel that there is closure or something towards a complicated closure. Um, to, to plug in to the, the flow, the ebbs and flows of real human life, not Hollywood simple answers. Yeah. Well, 15 minutes together is to discuss some of the tangential subjects around this film like gun violence in this country in this country in particular is is not enough time of course to get into it because um, so you know the film the film very carefully and deliberately uh, is apolitical so although my character clearly outside the room has issues around all kinds of you know legislation stuff the second i bring it up i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on your show can you beat me out but anyway, I would, I would, yes, I could, I, and, and, or just curse along too, maybe. Okay. Well, but there's a point at which I try and turn it back into something I'm comfortable with. My wife 
played by the brilliant Martha Plimpton, goes, I'm not here to discuss fucking politics. And that issue is laid to rest immediately because that's not what we're in the room for. So it really it's is a, not a film that deals with the politics with the big P. Of well, it's often, it's often, and it's often used as, especially for a character like yours, it's, it can be used as a crutch or as a way of just, again, distracting from the healing and the, and the, and, and the, you know, uh, recognizing the rage within and, and, and dealing with it. I mean, so you turn to things like politics and other things in order to distract yourself, you know, makes a lot of sense. It's beautiful. I mean, do you think, you know, it doesn't deal with politics or the big P. It certainly doesn't deal with anything to do with guns or shooting at schools. It's really about blame and rage. But what it does deal with, uh, in a way, tangentially, is this how enormously divided America is. And so, you know, because it, it's a story about people getting into a room who have demonized each other in their heads, you know, who, who blame, or certainly myself and my wife and it, blame these other people. We find them at fault. We think they are responsible for many of the things wrong with our life. And uh, you don't need to look very far in America or in Britain or anywhere to see increasingly polarized societies where people have so demonized the other that they, they just don't see them as human. And uh, if the film is a plea for something bigger outside the specifics of the characters, it's that. It's connection and seeing each other as human. Let's take the lead of the the of the story and of what we're talking about, which is not that it's not uh, an overtly political story at all. And talk about kind of the dynamics of, of in terms of acting, you have Ann Dowd, yourself, Reed Bernie, and Martha, you mentioned Martha Plimpton. And as an actor, you had to deal with all these other characters and their intentions, right? And you had to play off that. So that had to be very, very challenging because here you are with what the things you wanted to express and, and, and yet, Often, as you said, you're, you have to manage those things around the other characters and their their intentions. How how is that experience? Well, you're if, if I was articulate, no, no, that is the heart of the drama for me. For Jay, is that he's there? He thinks because his wife needs to be there. He doesn't recognize how much he needs to be there, or that he could. Mm, mm. So I'm trying to manage what she's supposed to say. And what I think she's supposed to feel and looking for signs that maybe, you know, because our life is unbearable outside the room. And uh, and then when Martha and I would be, uh, it wasn't really rehearsal, we'd be building a backstory for ourselves. And so on a simple level, we try and work out what were the things that we had said in the car that we are supposed to say in the room and what are the subjects we're supposed to avoid and the trigger words we're supposed not to say. And, and we couldn't agree on them, Martha. We'd be arguing about that knowing in the back of our heads that we were really arguing in character because how many people in a marriage I've been married for a long time when you say but you promised this you said this and they go no I didn't and you wish you had CCTV footage from the kitchen to uh to bring up and you know or Marshall McLuhan like uh, in Annie Hall and um so Martha and I had to build a, a backstory of where our lives have fallen apart what we'd argued about what we'd agreed on and okay. then the greatness of the writing, the reason it's so gripping to watch is, you know, you watch that fall apart. You watch just when one or other of us goes off piece, the other's either pushing them or pulling them back in. And, and, you know, it's as much about their marriage uh, as it is about more about their marriage than anything that happened in the past. It's a wonderful opportunity to see some wonderful acting. I mean, and just the level of, of, of commitment and, and the performance, you know, not, I, 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 
I'm sort of tripping over my own tongue here, but I guess I, what I'm trying to convey is how moving and cathartic it was as an, as somebody who had watched the movie. And I really, ur- I, I really urge people to, to go, to put, see the film and to go right. through this journey. Well, assuming yeah. you didn't have the chance to go and see it in the theater yet. And uh, I've seen it by myself, you know, uh, or with my family. Have you? A couple of times, but I saw it in the theater for the first time the other day. It's a completely wow. different. It's, a, it's an entirely different thing when you watch it with a crowd uh, because it's a mm. film about human connection. It's one of the reasons Fran wanted to call it mass, you know, that bodies gathered together. And, uh, you know, something else happens when uh, an audience collectively is pin drop silent or is all, or are all crying or are all relieved and feel the mm. light in the clouds. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I struggle to articulate it, but it is something to do with human connection that you don't get when you watch things by yourself. So uh, I hope that people who are listening to this, if they're thinking they might like to watch it, don't wait. We don't, I don't think we even have a streaming deal. It, it should be seen in a theater with other people. Well, and I applaud Bleecker Street and, uh, and, and the producers that they went this route, that they're giving it the opportunity for people to see it in the theaters, uh, and then holding off on, on, on the other options, you know, down the line a bit, you know, I'm certain it will be available eventually, but definitely take advantage of this and go see it in a, in a theater. If you want something that has some real meat on the bones, <laughs> it's really something does. really I've been in many beautiful, trivial stories. I was in a, you know, Chinese volcano action movie last year that things can be fun, yeah. but there's room, Absolutely. there's room for, as you said at the beginning, Jason, uh, it's it's a matter of it, there's room for for both things. You you played Lucius Malfoy. My son's going to be very excited to see you on the screen with me. <laughs> He's right. 17, so you can imagine he grew up with the Harry That's Potter cool. movie. Although we read them first, um, uh, but yeah, but it's proper parenting. <laughs> Mass will be in theaters this Friday, October 8th. And we'll, we'll put the links so people can find, uh, the, the, where it's playing. And we didn't get to the forgiveness project, but there's so much I, I could have talked to you about, but hopefully, hopefully with any luck, I'll have the opportunity to talk to you again sometime and it would be a pleasure. It was, I'm, I'm so, I feel so privileged to be in it, to be, uh, to be able to bring whatever I've learned in 30 odd years to be of service for a story that is not only gripping and entertaining that it holds you, but, but it has some value. You know, it's a story that puts some value in the world, and I'm proud to be part of it. Well said. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. And have a, uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, I hope your day is. Uh, it's. Uh, it's. It sounds like it might be a little intense, but no, I'm happy to talk. In the best way. In the best way. You know, yeah. Yeah. This is something I could talk about all day. I'm. I'm thrilled that people like it so far, and I hope a lot more people find it. All right. Me too. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Hello. Wait a minute. Oh, you snuck up on me, sir. How are you? I know. There, Natalie was supposed to be here or something. I don't know. Oh. I can't. I, don't well, I do. You know, I, I, hi, Reed, Bernie. Hi. Hi. I provided a, a, uh, a link, so she, she, I, yeah, but sometimes they do want to lurk in the background and make sure I don't say anything <laughs> inappropriate or, you know. Oh dear. Oh dear. We got to get HR in here.
<laughs> exactly. Look at my beautiful um, background. It's this horrible white wall with a thermostat. But where are you? I'm in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, are you shooting something? I am. I'm making a movie called The Menu with Ray Fines and Anna Anya Taylor Joy, uh, and John Leguizamo and Janet. Oh, he just did the show. He just did this show. John Leguizamo. Say hi. Did he? His brother from Queens. Because we both grew up in Queens. We're the same age. Oh, how pretty much. And we both grew up. And he and I said, he said, well, where did you where did you grow up? And I said, on the mean streets of Forest Hills, which is my kind of go to funny line. Right. And I think he appreciated it, but he, then he goes, oh, get out of here. You know, like, because it was, he was, I mean, he was from Jackson Heights. It's not exactly a, oh, well, it's, it's not the sharks and the jets. I'm, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> um, he, <laughs> yeah. he is such a great guy. I did not know him before, but I am crazy about him. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I got two incredible opportunities because I, I've been wanting to get you to talk to you and meet you for, for so long. Really? Yeah. You know, you just get into your head, you know, certain, certain actors and people that you just feel like there's something about their work and, and, uh, I don't know, but I get, I get very kind of, I wouldn't say quite obsessive about it, but I'm always asking for you. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad it worked out today. Um, I, I can't imagine I was that hard to get to, but, but whatever encounters you had along the way. And we're, gonna, we're which now. one we're talking about the hunt? I forget which one. No, no. Oh, the hunt. Yes. Yes. But I do. Craig Zobel is a friend too. What a great guy. And I know. And Love he, him. and it was actually coincidentally since I, I was making a joke about it because we we're talking about mass. But it was also through Craig that I got to interview many, many years ago and Dowd because he did, he, he had her in compliance, compliance which yeah. is, you know, brutal. Yeah. That movie was brutal. <laughs> you think The Handmaid's Tale is brutal. Wait till oh you see. Oh my God. I watched that movie and I was just, I my jaw was on the floor. I couldn't believe yeah. what I was seeing. And the fact and the guy, that it was a true story. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. Bah. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad, uh, bad. And one of them, you know, and since I kid, I and I saw you at Four Friends, and then, but I mean, wow. I I've known about your career for many many years, but and then I was like, was it the West Wing you were on? <laughs> it's like oh, no, it was, was House, House, House of Cards. Cards. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but you where you played vice the vice president? It was the worst vice president in the history of the world. <laughs> Turns out not some, not not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had I have friends in Washington who work in politics, and they said. You realize you're the only person on House of Cards who has no staff. And I thought, oh, my God. Well, of course, I I don't even have a secretary. I I think I didn't even have an office. I was just wandering around with a manila envelope under my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How could I be any good? Not many people can pull off the the manila envelope quite the way. (laughs) All right. We don't have a ton of time. You you have something directly after this? No, I'm, I, I can talk as long as you want. So. You oh know. my God. Yeah. So then, okay. I, well, I'm not going to abuse that privilege. Yeah. But, well, we don't have to, we, it's let's not talk hard about, out, hard out on my end. But the beauty part is we can talk about masks because I was so moved by it. And, um, I was convinced actually, and I told it, I actually did talk to Jason Isaacs too, that it was a, I, this must have been a play because, you know, this, you can understand the structure of it. And then Jason says something really, smart and, and 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 a good observation which was that he goes well you really have to be right there in their face to get 
like you have to be close in like a, only a, like the a movie gives you an audience member. Like if I'm a play, you'd be far back and you wouldn't get those intimacies that, that it's not, it's the whole movie. And also if it were a play, you'd have to find artificial reasons to have people get up from the table and, you know, so that you could make it visually more, more. interesting. Yeah. And sitting at a table. <laughs> Sitting at the table, two of them would have their backs to the audience the entire time, unless you're like, let's switch chairs. So, um, uh, but Fran encountered that too when he was putting the thing together of people saying, you cannot have four people sit at a table for 95 minutes. You need to have flashbacks. You need to go outside. You know, all the things they tell people. And Fran, in his brazenness as a first-time filmmaker, said, nope, that's not the movie I'm making. They have mm-hmm. to stay at that table. That's the story, period. What did, what, how did it, he's right. Oh, absolutely. What did you make of that as you were preparing? Well, I, you know, when he sent it to me, I'm the lucky one in that he wrote the thing for me. He wrote Richard for me. So wow. I was incredibly flattered, but it was still a play at that point. It had started it was, as a screenplay. So it had started as a play. It started as a screenplay, and then I think he... What do you mean? Got, he wrote it as a screenplay and then he got a little nervous and he thought, well, it's just four people in a room. Maybe it really is a play instead. Oh, and it, and it lived as a play for about a year. Oh, see uh, now nobody said that to me. And I was thought this looks no, no, like you were absolutely right. Was that but, absolutely right? And I don't know how much you know about the theater, but there's developmental hell where you've got to workshop it and do readings and things. And, Fran wasn't, you know, a young playwright right out of Yale Drama School. So he was having people, having trouble having people take it seriously. Mm -hmm. I think the subject matter was quite scary to people. And so I said to him and Casey Mott, our producer, said to him around the same time, why don't you just make it as a movie? And Casey actually said, apropos of Jason's remark, he said it's too intimate for Mm. a play. And I think that's absolutely right. Uh, and so Fran called and said, we're going to do it as a movie. And I thought, well, that's the last I'll hear of that. How many people have said they're going to put me in a movie and I never heard from them again. So, uh, how many, I wish them all the wet, all the best. And then about two months later, I think he wrote and said, we're going to do it as a movie. I've got the money and we're going to start in November of 19. And it happened. Well, I'm glad it did because not only that, but many, many, many more people will see it. I mean, let's face it, then the the audience, like, you know, the Broadway audience or off-Broadway audience say, for instance, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, but, you know, with the subject matter as it is. But what I really do think that this guy, Fran, who wrote it, he, what he mastered. Yeah. So, and it's amazing that this was so, so, he's so inexperienced in, 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 on a certain level anyway, is that the tone of it is just so, it doesn't get lost. It's so uh, uh, focused on the personal yeah. story of these four people, you know, and their desperate need to repair this damage to their lives. To try and make sense. And, of and he keeps it on non-political, the most comfortable, right. like, you know, this, this thing about gun violence in our country is so huge. And yet he, he everybody should see this film. Well, he and we all, when we have talked about the movie over the two years since we made it, what are the talking points? What do we want people to know about the movie? And it's really not a movie about gun control. 
And it's really in a funny way, not even a movie about school shootings. It's a movie about how people connect and forgive each other and heal and move forward. Right. And that, you know, everybody has something they want to be forgiven for. And everybody has something that they're mad at somebody about. Mm -hmm. And, um, all of it's easier said than done. But I find the end of this movie, when Martha takes Jason's hand listening to the choir, I find it as life affirming as anything I've ever seen. Mm. Which is unexpected when you say it's a movie about school shootings. You sort of think, oh boy, this is going to be hard work. Well, whoever said that, as I understand why they might say that, but it's not, again, it's really not about that. It doesn't represent the movie at all. The movie, it's, it's, I, I don't think people would be having the response that they're having to the movie if it were just about that. Um, I think the fact that it's about people, ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances, we all look at this, these situations and think I would never be able to do that. And you can, when you are presented with this stuff, you find a way. And uh, it's, I think it's incredibly hopeful. I, I have to be cautious as I talk about the plot and the story, but because I don't want to give away too much. But at the same time, I want to talk about your character, Richard, a little bit because um, you, you're you're married to uh, Linda, I think it is, right? Played by yep. Anne. Dowd, That's right. Who are the parents of the person who created this violent episode, which took? Can we we can say this, right? It's in a set. I think you. I think it's not going to be a surprise. Nor and it wouldn't help. It helps kind of also make people. Yeah, I think see this know, film our, our, our son was a school shooter, right? And shot so, their son. <laughs> and ju- it just seems like, and the whole point of this is these two couples come together to figure out how to to help these parents heal. And and clearly, it's not just the parents of the victim that are the only ones who need that. You know, it's, um, uh, so, and, and so they sit down together at this table, as we talked about before, it seemed like I'm interested to know, like, as you, as an actor, what was your, what were your, were you resisting? Like, I I can't, it seems as if you couldn't even sit down very long because you just, it it was too much. Like your, your whole body language is about distancing yourself as much as Well, Richard of the four of them. Richard has, does not want to be there at all. He was talked into it by the lawyers and by his ex-wife that this would be a good thing. And these people, it would help these people. And in a moment of weakness, he must have said, I'll go. Um, but and for his uh, wife's sake and for his, for his ex-wife, you know, and, and somewhere in there for Hayden, our son, but you know, he is a wasp. I'm a wasp and Richard's a wasp. And you don't talk about your feelings and you don't live in the pain and you move on. And for the past six years since the shooting happened, he has been discussed and parsed over and dissected. And I think he hates it. You know, he was not supposed to live his life this way. And so in agreeing to come to this meeting, I think he thinks I will answer any questions I can. I'm not going to tell you I think my son is a monster because I don't think he is. And what's your next question? Um, you know, the first thing he says is I, I have to leave. I'm leaving on a plane this afternoon. Uh, he's dying to get out of there. Hmm. And the real tragedy 
for me of Richard is that he's the one who doesn't let, doesn't take the opportunity to learn anything in this meeting. That's the tragedy of this story. Yeah. 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 The others, the others have cathartic breakthroughs and realizations and, you know, in varying degrees and Richard just won't let himself do it. And to see him stumble out of there at the end is just so sad to me. Breaks my heart. Mm. Wow. So how do you, how do you arrive? How do you reconcile yourself with, with the, that kind of character? Cause I, I know actors say that no matter how flawed and unpleasant the character might be, you have to find some sort of level of right. Oh, I have, and, I and have respect. enormous compassion and, and respect. For, for poor old Richard, you know, <laughs> having, having grown up as a wasp in the wasp culture, I know lots of Richards and, uh, were you a wasp that, that like, like wanted to be Jewish or, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I knew enough about Judaism. I, I married you... a Jew, so I mean, I made up oh, for it, but, okay. um, but, uh, I, um, I was a wasp who wanted to be an actor. Okay. So I was, I, I was observing in a, in a different way than a lot of wasps do. I think really wasps want to li- live quiet lives of desperation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They want, yeah. they don't want a lot of attention. I don't, I think they want to just go about their business. Right. Have their they don't like mess. Time. They don't want the yeah. mess. Yeah. They don't like a mess. Right. And poor Richard now has found himself in the worst mess imaginable. And, um, you know, he, he cannot get his mind around it. Um, yeah. so I, he breaks my heart really, hmm. uh, as an actor selfishly. Yes. I wish I had a big breakdown too. That's <laughs> always fun to, you okay. know, it's honest. Yeah. Um, hit the table and cry, but that's not who Richard is. Yeah. So there's no satisfaction in, in the wound up part of it and finding out. Oh, there is there, there was, you know, it was incredibly gratifying to play yeah. him, uh, okay. and to be in that room with Martha Plimpton and Jason Isaacs and, uh, you know, we were, we all wanted desperately to be there. We all knew how beautiful and important this was to us as, as actors. I don't yeah. think we thought this is going to turn into a big movie. I think we just thought this will be a great experience between our various TV gigs and things. Yeah. You know, we get to go off for two weeks and make this movie that means something to us. And then that people are responding to it in, in a kind of way you'd fantasize about, um, is thrilling. I moved up to the Hudson Valley recently and whereabouts? And, uh, Where are you? I'm in, um, the Rhine, uh, just north of Rhinebeck. Okay. We have a house on the other side of the river. Yeah. Um, um, in near Catskill. Do you know where Catskill is? Hey, oh, 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 yes. Very, uh, we're in South Caros of like okay. Cairo. No, no, I, I, you're very close or where that place is. Yeah. I, I mentioned it because, you know, I would come up to the Woodstock Film Festival every year anyway. So it was just, we'll let people know that it just was, it was just played and it won. One best feature. Best feature, which it deserved. Yeah. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen them all, but I would say just, I was so profoundly moved and so grateful that, um, and I told this to Jason too, that, you know, well, I'm, I'm, this is my wheelhouse anyway, films like this. And that's why yeah. I, again, you, you end up in quite a few of these kinds of films. And, uh, that's why, you know, I, I, I was very familiar with your career, but 
there's challenges to seeing a movie like this, but they're all so worthwhile and, and they pay off so much. And, and so if, you know, I would call it escapist, of course, but, and I understand why people need escapism in these days. I, you know? I do too. But, but there I is catharsis, as you said in this film. There is catharsis. If it's not escapist, I would say it's enlightening. Yeah. I think it really does do what, um, great art can do and not to be pretentious about it, but I think it can really open a window to a world that we don't get to see. And, uh, and we learn something about ourselves in the process. Uh, and it's going to be uh, in theaters, which is also lovely as of yeah. October this, this weekend, October uh, 8th, in New York and LA on Friday, and then expanding probably to Washington and Boston and Chicago and things the next week. And then, more right. theaters after that. Isn't that great? Yeah. Please go see it. It's, it, I'm incredibly proud of it. And I think it, it is a, a movie that will make people feel good at the end of the day. I, I did. So yeah, absolutely dead on. Thank you so much. Adam, thank you. Lovely to meet you. I look thank forward you. to the next time when we can talk about lots of other things. Me too. Me too. Thank okay. You. All the best. Good night. So I got to fortunately be invited to be part of this festival, which runs from October 15th through the 19th. You can go to phasesofhunger.org and check out their site, check out the films this year, learn about what's going to be coming up, and then register for the festival right there at phasesofhunger.org. And, you know, there's panels as well and Q&As. There's all sorts of content that is there to provoke and to engage regarding the subject matter at hand here, which is, of course, in the broader sense, hunger in the world, but more specifically, food insecurity, food deserts that exist all over, even here, of course, in the United States, no secret there, uh, the amount of food waste. but it, And it focuses a lot on grassroots individuals and communities that decide to take matters into their hands. So it's very inspirational. And I, and I, I just, I'm just very proud to be involved in it. So again, it takes place October 15th through the 19th. Check out Faces of Hunger International Film Festival at, at facesofhunger.org. And here now, uh, my conversation with the producer of the festival, Mayan Lawfer, here on Film Wax Radio. Well, let's talk about Faces of Hunger, this film festival, because, you know, I have um, to say, yes. by, by way of a disclaimer, Mayan, that I am a consultant slash producer on the festival this year. Correct. And so mm-hmm. helping in any way I can. And, uh, so 
we people need to know that uh, this is a very subjective interview. I'm not trying to be mislead in any way, but I have definitely definitely have a vested interest vested interest in it. And so is this like a, yeah, so bring you on, but I'm glad to do it because uh certainly it's a festival that I think regardless I would be glad to know about and glad to help promote even if I wasn't. Yeah, thanks. You know, it really um it really all started with my mom. And my mom, I mean, my mom is like so amazing. Yeah. She's just that. a person who has who really, really doesn't see any limits to achieving her goals. You know, has been relentlessly fighting um for people and food, poverty for her whole life. And wow. um and I do think she enjoys it in the same way that we enjoy having pizza or something. You know, it's so enjoyable for her. That's probably why she does that, it so well. Yeah. And there, there, that almost suggests she takes a little bit of, of what she's doing for granted. Like, it's just like getting a slice of pizza in the sense that... Yeah, I mean, I think she does it. into who she is. That... Yeah, it is so incorporated into who she is that she... I don't think she has a choice in the matter. Right. So just by for the audience, let's go back a, a step and say that this festival, which is in it going into its fifth incarnation, and it's a virtual festival this year again, was started from uh, as an offshoot of your mother, uh, this nonprofit called Palms of Life, which your mom started. Palms for Life, yes. Palms for Life, excuse me. And then, and out of that came this festival. Was this your brainstorm was this your idea you know not at all it was um it was what interested me most to work in in the nonprofit. okay because i am an actress and a filmmaker and yeah. so you know it was it was a natural fit for me to take a big part in this um but no even the idea was and the, the way the way it's de- what it's developed into is definitely completely you know in my hands but the original idea of basically fi- using film as a way to promote discussion and um, education about food issues was Hannah. So the idea of using art and creativity. Which is smart because that's, for a lot of people, it's an emotional conduit into a subject. Right, you watch a film, you become emotionally affected by it, and then you become interested. It's a, it's a, just it makes sense. Yeah, I do, and I think because there's, yeah, and I think there's such a, um, like we've become so uh, not blunt, but you know we're so we're so like oh hunger, oh yeah it exists. Like we're not we're not really responsive to it. Like it's so abstract. Yeah, we're so numb to it. Same as when we see those images of the the hospital St. Jude or something like, you know, like yeah. you have, you have, they have to really put it in your face for you to be like, Oh my God, there is suffering in the world. Animals. Yeah. There is suffering in the world and wow, I'm impacted by it. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's true that film does that. Right. It, with visual is a very strong language just so people understand. So while it started as a way of, for, uh, like a relationship between universities to, uh, the universities were part, in a way, partnering. Well, anyway, they would 
host screenings and then conversations and discussions and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they would host screenings in their local campus. Yeah, right. So that's it. But it is also available this festival, which is short. So far, we're shorts, short films, short documentary films mm-hmm. um, about the on the subject of food or food insecurity or hunger. Those are the general. Mm-hmm. and waste and help and right. and but also it's, it's very hard to and, and see the films yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it's hard to de- it's definitely hard to separate food from all the other what we call like the systemic issues so you know how is it impacting the environment how is the waste involved because obviously if you know if we were to reduce the waste there would be so much more food available yeah. Um, so it's very hard to tease those things apart. So even though it began originally the festival, really with the intent to focus on hunger, right now the name is more of a stand, like it's a brand name. It's mm-hmm. it's really more just about food issues. Um, and yes, it is right. um, open to anyone who wants to freely engage in meaningful showings and. Um, meaningful panel discussions as well, which will happen after the films. So, and then, so people can go to, um, facesofhunger.org .org, and they can uh, register for the, the festival. They can sign up for the festival and then there will be panels and there will be also Q and A's and all sorts of opportunities mm-hmm. between October 15th and 19th. And, um, I'm going to really urge people to get involved because, you know, I think it's, it's a kind of, a social obligation for people to figure out one thing to commit to if you're a privileged individual who has the time to even go to a festival to get involved in maybe one thing that helps each other, you know, and helps people in need. So this is a good way to educate yourself and engage and meet people. So I think it's a great Great opportunity is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I do want to mention also something um, that I'm really excited about for this year is that we have, um, there's this wonderful program from the World Food Program called Storytellers where they equip um, people in yeah. developing countries with um, smartphones uh, and they can document their experience and the benefits that they also receive from the World Food Program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they equip them with the cell phones and they teach them how to film and how to take photos. And all of this is really first time, first time for many of these people. And um there are some beautiful films and we're very happy to be able to include them in the festival this year. So they're going to be blocks of shorts. I mean, this is not unusual for most film festivals that show shorts or include shorts in their program, but that there'll be blocks of shorts and then we'll be including one of the films you just mentioned, one of the short films that you just mentioned. Yeah. Some uh, storyteller film is going to be included in each, in each each block, which I think would be a very, a big treat to see. Followed by a panel with various people from um, mm-hmm. stakeholders, I guess you call them. Yeah, like people in the food industry, pro, um, uh, professors, and the filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be to participate in it. I really am because I like it that it's, uh, you know, it's still kind of growing, and there's so much. There's so much potential. There's so much potential. I agree with that. Really, because it's, 
it's you know as we as we've said for years because we all eat you know it's something that is so common to us all yeah um something we can relate to something that we're all responsible for and that we all take part in and that impacts us all and that and that our behavior impacts it globally and there's not uh, so yeah. many things that are so easy to see like that right yeah. right and the films are really almost as much as a, as a work of of storytelling they are also a catalyst for conversations you know for discussions i mean you know very much the, so so the, i think the panels where you know, uh, are going to be really key in this particular festival, you know, because really what we're trying to do is, is teach each other, engage with each other. And the films kind of do a great job of kind of provoking those conversations. Thank you, know. you Adam. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. 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 They very much do. My goodness. There's so many fantastic films. The festival started as a, as a, a U.S. only for food issues in the U.S. and now it's expanded to be global. Makes sense. It's still growing, you know, in that it's still, it's completely makes sense. And it's, it's still toddler. growing. Festival is barely a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. But we have some wonderful films. One of my favorites is, um, Nourishing Japan, you know, just, for, you know, just like Nourishing Japan, which shows how incredibly different, uh, the, the, and, sacredly the food is um introduced to in the school system That's in japan which is amazing yeah another one of my favorites is called green gold which um talks about which i didn't know about is the incredible uh how resource heavy it, the avocado industry is and its impact on the people who live uh, where there are avocado trees being grown so, you know, uh, because the avocados take up so much water and right. so much water. And so all the plants basically take out the water from the land and then people have water issues. Uh, so uh, amazing, amazing insight. And, you know, and those are, I think, were one on the one hand is learning how, how we could, for example, nourishing Japan, how we could also introduce more of a respectful cultural inheritance into the school system in relationship to food you know the japanese they eat so well and then with the green gold it's like avocado we're all crazy about avocado it's such a trendy trendy food item and to learn about um its implications it actually gave, gives me now second thought in buying as many avocados as i want it does, Adam, I promise. I believe you, everything you say. Everything I'm holding say. back on avocados a little bit. And what do you substitute? You know, what can you, you substitute? figure it out? Yeah. Blueberries? Yeah. yeah, nothing is as amazing as an avocado for sure. Well, you but know, whatever, you problem, live. Yeah. What? You live. You make it work. Yeah, yeah. Quite a Hunger few. Ward is an exciting film uh, that we're showing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, it was an Oscar nominated, um, documentary and the director, uh, may very well attend the panel. It's almost confirmed. Um, right. but we would be very lucky to have him. He'll be in the closing event on the 19th, uh, which is going to be a whole block about, um, hunger and food issues, you know, around hunger. Um, and, um, 
It's going to be led by the Universities Fighting World Hunger, which is our partner organization for the festival, which is a terrific organization. If by any chance you, uh, anyone listening to this, is um, a, a, associated with an educational institution, you could start your own Universities Fighting World Hunger chapter um, to become involved in this conversation that they, you know, they have all these events throughout the year, University Study World Hunger, and Faces of Hunger is one of them that they promote, and we partner with them. So they're going to be um, leading that last event about hunger and um, that film Hunger Ward, which is something that I find, I, th- I think it's almost like a responsibility to watch it. It's again, the festival's, festival's called Faces of Hunger, and it will be um running from October 15th through the 19th World Food Days on which day October 15th October 16th which is a Saturday and the screenings for the weekend are like noon eastern time um and um yeah yes and um it's all on Eventive which is a virtual festival platform if you if you had your block well yeah if you had your your preferences or your druthers, would you want to do an in person festival again? Like, cause it... uh, well, with a, I would like to do a hybrid. So I would like to keep it the way it is, where it's accessible. Sense, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's so it's such a global topic. So I would like to keep yeah. it like this, but have like one key events in right. New York City. That's what no. I would like. Yeah. Or, so I'm going to work on that for next year. Well, I'm in New York, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe we can get even more ambitious and you could have like one event, like multiple events having simultaneous. That's maybe in the future. Absolutely. You know? I will start with one. We're going back to one physical one next year. Although, yeah. although some, some uh, universities, if they choose, may rent out a room where they're going to have the screenings in person. Again, there's so many ideas and so many things we can do going into the next festival next year or the years ahead. You know? Yes. There's only one way to go. Yeah. So oh. again, if you're, if you right up. Uh, so if you, if you're a filmmaker also, just please check out the festival this year because, you know, if it, if it motivates you to, create a documentary that we may, you know, next year might be used. And I, th- I hope that, you know, we can go feature length, you know, just yeah. make sense or maybe just even if you have one or two. And- we may, there are so many fantastic feature films that um, we came across that we passed up. So yeah, we may, yeah. we may very well become a feature. Right. And it doesn't, it maybe, year. you know, maybe we just show them, and then have like afterwards a Q and A, but that might be it. Maybe this isn't one that has has an, a terribly long whole evening. Yeah, you know, you know but but, it, but the idea is to kind of pump up the 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 the, the excitement, enthusiasm around the festival. So if you get some really like really great features in there, but the but then the shorts act as the catalyst for like panels and for Q, you know. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, as we wind it down, we're going now on October 15th through the 19th into the fifth annual Faces of Hunger Film Festival. And again, we'll encourage people to check out this uh, festival. Go to facesofhunger.org 
and get involved and get in on the ground floor of this great festival and, you know, even individuals partner with, with this festival. Thank you, Adam. And let's, let's, let's get everybody, let's stop wasting food and let's stop letting people be hungry. Yeah, let's stop wasting food. Let's eat more healthily. Let's be responsible global citizens. Let's right. understand the impact of our eating habits um, and choices on ourselves and on the world. You know, like respecting ourselves and respecting the world. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I already pitched my uh, YouTube channel. I really hope you, you know, again, go there and subscribe and share it, please, with people that enjoy such conversations. I think we're doing something special here. That would be so wonderful if you could subscribe to that. And then also, you know, you can tell people about the podcast itself. I, there's never too many people to listen to that. So, and it's on, we're on every, every app just about, I think. I mean, we're on, um, of course, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon uh, Audio. We're on Audible, uh, Stitcher. I, I say Stitcher already, and we're we're uh, on iHeartRadio. It's just ridiculous. We can't turn your phone on without getting Phonewax Radio. But subscribe, leave us a, a a nice review, star rating. That's important. I haven't asked for that in a while. All those things. And then, of course, you can follow us on Facebook uh, under facebook.com slash Radio, Instagram, Twitter. We're, we're, we're doing our best to engage with you guys uh, uh, about great films. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So in the meantime, do take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Bye.